is today. Today? It is Wednesday, my dude. is gonna be great! <laughs> Alright! Good morning, everybody. It may not be morning when you're watching this. It could be later in the afternoon. Maybe it's Thursday. I don't know when you're gonna watch this. Some people watch it the moment it comes out. Some people are like, ugh, Pastor Adam has another Devo out. I guess I'll listen to it later. Either way, uh, fun news, I was in Chicago last week. I um, flew in for a few days. And on the flight, I noticed something that I've noticed a bunch of times before. Um, and that was, you know, when they come down with the cart and they offer you a drink, free beverage. Um, a lot of people, you know, they get the Coke, Diet Coke, uh, orange juice, ginger ale. Ginger ale is a big one on flights for some reason. But one that I always hear every single time I'm on a flight, some woman, it's usually an elderly woman, asks for tomato juice. And I'm like... Why are you ordering tomato juice? Tomato juice is disgusting, first of all. And, and it's like, I know I'm getting older because I see tomato juice and I think about drinking it and I'm like, that's just heartburn in a can right there. And so, not really understanding. And you might be thinking also, oh, they're getting tomato juice for a Bloody Mary. No, they're not. They're getting tomato juice just to drink the tomato juice. And I don't understand it. It's real weird. Uh, but even if it was for uh, a Bloody Mary which I know they do serve that you have to pay extra for on the plane or whatever. You know what? That's a disgusting drink as well. Just because there's alcohol in the tomato juice doesn't make it good. It doesn't make it right. Then there's all these people that think, well, it's a big weekend. I get to start drinking early in the morning. Let's start with the Bloody Mary. No, just because there's vegetables in your alcohol doesn't mean it's good. So just stop playing the games and just go ahead and drink what you want to drink. So I just thought that was weird. And also, tomato juice is so popular on the planes. But why is it so popular? Because I have hosted lots of events in my career in churches, special event management, all that. Not once was I like, did you get the tomato juice? Because nobody wants the tomato juice. So it's weird. It's a, it's a flight thing only, I think. I don't know. It's a weird observation. I wanted to share it for no reason whatsoever. And, and you may think that was weird, but I wonder how Pastor Adam is going to spin this all together so we're talking about the devotional it's gonna have to have some way to connect or something and i'm like no it doesn't it has zero to do with the devo none whatsoever because today i want to talk about this i was trying to come up with some sort of example um to relate to what i wanted to talk about and i had a few ideas i had some good ideas i did some research on some things and the more i got into it the more i wrote about it i was like someone's gonna get offended by this someone's gonna be mad at me for this i'm gonna get in trouble for this so I might as well not. And I'm trying to think of something that would not get me into trouble, which is universally looked at in terms of the way that I want to compare this to the scripture. So what I came up with is this, that I think we can all be on the same level and be like, you know what? I agree with you. The news, the news, whether it be newspaper or the nightly news. So once upon a time in a land far, far away, people read the news in a newspaper or a little after the newspaper, the printing press, well, that they watched the nightly news, right? And 
And those writers and those news reporters and everybody involved, their job was to tell you what happened. That was the news. Tell you what happened. Not to give their opinion, just the facts. And those were the good old days. People trusted the news. Then, all of a sudden, the news decided to be more entertainment. They wanted, They were able to make money off of things. So they decided to push their opinions in the news. They decided to insert political ideology, push agendas. Um, you have dish, different news organizations that battle the other news organizations. They try to pit one group of listeners uh, uh, against the others. And, and so we have a news now that we can't trust. We don't know who to believe. There'll be times something happens. We watch one network. Okay. Then we watch the other one. It's completely opposite. So like, Okay, who do I listen to? Is it somewhere in the middle? We don't know what that middle is. So we don't know who to believe. And we had this news that was a good thing that told us what we needed to know, that we trusted, and it somehow morphed and turned into something bad or maybe a little evil. Well, that's sort of the story with the Pharisees. So before we get into that, what is a Pharisee? Well, it's a member of an ancient group that carefully observed the written law, but also accepted the oral or traditional law, advocated for democratization of religious practices and, and things like that. So these were the religious leaders back in the day. <clears throat> now, when we think of Pharisees in terms of Christians who uh, read a scripture or, or we know the Bible, we think of them as bad people, as evil people, and, and all sorts of things. But Pharisees in the beginning, they, they truly wanted to honor God, but they ultimately missed the point. They believed that the way they could please God and make it to heaven was by meticulously following a long list of religious rules and regulations. And I think that before Jesus, they really did want to do the right thing. I think they really did want to please God and make it to heaven um, and, and honor God. And I think their intentions were good at the core in the beginning. But eventually they became powerful, wealthy, influential, um, all those things. And, and those started to change them. And then when Jesus came around and he started preaching, performing miracles, showing people that he was the son of God, the Pharisees were like, uh, uh-oh, what does that mean for us? I mean, we won't, if, if this is true, we won't have this power. We won't have this wealth. Uh, the influence in our countries if, if Jesus continues to do what he's doing. Now, I think this is the point which they, they could have been like, hey, hey guys, maybe we're wrong. This Jesus guy, he's doing all these things and it's amazing and I, and I can't explain it except for unless he is the son of God, right? Um, and, and maybe they're like, there were some in there that thought that. Uh, maybe they were thinking maybe we are, everything we've been teaching and preaching and doing um, is, is, is wrong. But then they decided at some point, well, even if that's true, my comfort and my lifestyle is not something I can give up, even if Jesus is who he says he is. Now, I hope that maybe there was some who renounced their Pharisee life when Jesus came around. I'd like to think there are Pharisees who tried to fight for Jesus and show them that their ways were wrong. I don't know if there were or not, but I, but I hope there was. I don't know, but I do know that when Jesus would go from town to town, the Pharisees would be there to slander him, to try to disprove him, to lie about him. But whatever happened, leading the Pharisees to eventually challenge Jesus, any good that they had that when they started out 
had gone and their hearts had turned evil. So we find this in Matthew 12. Um, it says this, Make a tree good and its fruit will be good. Or make a tree bad and its fruit will be bad. For a tree is recognized by its fruit. You brood of vipers, how can you who are evil say anything good? For your mouth speaks what the heart is full of. A good man brings good things out of good stored up in him. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. But I tell you and everyone will have to give account on the day of judgment for every empty word they have spoken. For by your words you will be acquitted, and by your words you will be condemned. So, in the scripture, uh, Jesus was in a town, and he had just healed a demon-possessed, deaf, blind man. And when you think about that, not only was he blind, which that was rough, he was deaf, so he's just constantly in the dark, can't hear, he could be stubbing his toe on things constantly, nobody's saying, hey, watch that, he can't hear him, he can't see it. It's, it's, it's rough. And then all of a sudden he gets possessed by a demon. That's the trifecta of the things you don't want to happen. Am I right? I'm right. So anyways, uh, Jesus came and he healed this man in front of the crowd. And they were amazed, as they should be. Who wouldn't be amazed if you saw that happen? Um, the man could see, he could hear, and he was no longer demon possessed he had a whole new lease on life can you imagine that like there's people who are like oh, i got a bad back they uh they have uh some chiropractic uh adjustments and they're like oh, i feel like a whole new person imagine being blind deaf and demon possessed now you're good to go that's amazing but anyways that happened jesus heals him the crowd's amazed the pharisees were there and they tried telling the crowd that jesus could have only done that with the power of satan you see they were in a bit of a pickle because they're like wow Jesus really did just heal this guy. Mm. We can't, they can't refute that that happened. They know that he was healed. They can't say it didn't happen. So what, what did they do? They said, well, the only reason he could do that is because he commands demons from the power of Satan, the one who sent the demons in the first place. And that's when Jesus called them a brood of vipers, which back in the day was, you say that, it was like, ooh, it is on right so uh i can just imagine there's a bunch of people in the crowd they're watching they see the the healing and they're like oh and then they the pharisees start saying stuff about jesus uh using the power of satan and he's like brood of vipers and they're like oh all of them just gasp oh they fall off of their donkeys and whatever else they're doing they drop their buckets of water who knows um but then they go home and and they tell their the relatives who weren't there, they're like, hey, I heard Jesus was in town today. What happened? He's like, you're not going to believe this. Jesus healed a blind, deaf, demon-possessed man. And they're like, what? That's amazing. I know. It was so cool. I couldn't believe it. I'm so glad I was there. And then they're like, uh, but then the Pharisees, they were there, and they said he used the power of Satan. And they're like, no, they did not say that. Yeah, and he goes, check this out. Jesus, he dropped the mic on him. He said, Song. He called him a name, and they're like, what was his name? He's like, I can't even tell you. I can't even tell you it's so bad. He's like, no, really, it's just us. He's like, I, I can't even. It's just, it's so bad. And they're looking around, and like, look, this is, this is the one time you can say whatever you want here. And he goes, okay, Jesus called them a brood of vipers. And they're like, what? you got to be kidding me right now. And he goes, no, I heard it. It was crazy. Now, you might think, well, why is, why are you being called a brood of vipers? Why is that so bad? Well, I'm glad you asked. Uh, 
Uh, in the Jewish culture, the snake was a symbol of the devil, death, and sin. So if you remember to the Garden of Eden, that what the devil was disguised himself as, a serpent. When Jesus claims that the Pharisees have been born of serpents, serpents, brood of vipers, he proclaims that these Pharisees are children of the devil, and they disguise themselves as wise, but they are like their namesake, corrupt, wicked inside. They deceive the people of God into sin, just like the serpent in the garden deceived Adam and Eve. And if we look at that scripture, and it says at the end of verse 34, for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. So whatever they said, that's what their heart was. That's why I said their hearts were evil. And, and then verse 37 said, for by your words, you will be acquitted and by your words, you will be condemned. So he's saying what you've just said has condemned you. What, you're, what is in your heart is evil. What you spoke is evil. And that is what's going to condemn you. So we have a good idea what the Pharisees were all about. Trying to slander Jesus turn people against Jesus to remain powerful by any means. Now, when, when they started hearing Jesus coming around and performing miracles and kind of, I'm sure they had like a, a group meeting, they were probably like, look, this can't happen. And that is the beginning of the slippery slope. Uh, now, we all know that every sin is equal. But when we really think about sin, I think that at the top of the sin list, like the like that they're like, this is a bad one, is murder, right? Even though we know that's not true, it's just all, all sin is a sin. We, if there's just a feeling about murder, like, ew, that's gross. We don't want to. Yeah, we, we can lie about people. We can slander them. But murder, that's taking it a bit far. Uh, we've all sinned and thought, it's not like I killed somebody, right? Like we, may, we, we lie about something, get caught, like, well, we didn't kill anybody. But, so that's a, this is the slippery slope. Well, at that time, as time went on, Jesus' popularity had grown. As the Pharisees kept up their sinful tactics, they kept lying about him, slandering him. They obviously got into a place where they said to one another, hey guys, what we're doing, it's not working. Uh, if he sticks around, we're finished. So that's when the real serious meeting happened with the Pharisees, and they had to plan, uh, make a new plan, and that plan was murder. And I'm sure these uh, Pharisees were sort of uh, backed into a corner, kind of at the end of their rope, and thought, hey, this is the only option. To, in order to, to maintain our Pharisee lifestyle, we got to kill this dude. Now, you'd think someone would have been like, hey, guys, uh, you know, as Pharisees, we're, not supposed, we're supposed to be following the letter of the law. And it says in there, a lot of the law, thou shalt not kill, along with, you know, many other commandments that we've been breaking. Um, so I don't know if this is such a good idea, uh, but in man's sinful heart, I can see the others being kind of talked into the plan, and I can see Satan getting a hold of people and making them think the death of Christ would be the best idea and plan. But then Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. And in John 11, we read all about Lazarus and Jesus raise, uh, bringing him back to life and demonstrating that he has authority over death. And it was a big deal. I mean, every, everything that Jesus did was a big deal. Don't get me wrong. But this seemed like, like, wow. Like, you know, it's like he just raised someone from the dead. And not only did Jesus bring a dead man back to life, but the man was there. Like, people could see him. They could touch him. They could talk to him. 
And that was really bad news for the Pharisees. So in John 12, 9 through 11, we read this. Meanwhile, a large crowd of Jews found out that Jesus was there and he came, not only because of him, but also to see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. So the chief priests made a plan to kill Lazarus as well. For on account of him, many of the Jews were going over to Jesus and believing him. So we see the Pharisees plotting to kill Lazarus now. Like, when is this killing going to stop? And, and, and in the initial meeting, let's just say that they're like, look, we got to kill Jesus. He's the problem. Now they get, get back together. Well, Jesus and Lazarus, let's just kill both of them. Uh, but, and then, but, then, but then I ask, when does that stop? This is where the slippery slope happens. Like, what about we kill the blind man? Uh, what about we kill the paralytic that he healed? What about the, the demon-possessed man? Let's kill him too. There's going to be a lot of people you're going to have to kill because Jesus has performed all these miracles, healed all these people. There's a lot of people you got to kill to get rid of Jesus' name. And, and so then there's a lot of people that, uh, that would die just to keep the charade up. And, and I found this commentary on heartlight.org. I don't really know anything about the, um, the website, but what I read checked out to me. Um, so I'm not saying this is the greatest website. I'm, not, I'm just saying I read this in here, and so I wanted to give them credit for it. But it says, How could the leaders of a religious movement that should be intent on doing good become murderous and treacherous? Over the centuries, there have been atrocities committed in the name of religion. There have also been atrocities committed against religious people. The hatred aimed at Jesus boils over against Lazarus. The hatred is a sad reminder of what happened when people no longer pursue the will of God and settle for the preservation of the religion. The situation is a sobering warning. When we have to find creative ways to justify how we could do something ungodly to one of God's children, we need to scrutinize our actions very carefully and change our ways. God's two great commandments to us still apply. Love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. Now, I know at the beginning of this Devo, I talked about the news being something good that has morphed into something, you know, not so good. And I'm sure there are people, there are journalists, news reporters, executives that don't want to be, they don't want to be this politicized tool, but they like their lives. They're comfortable. They like their salary. They like their lifestyle. And they decide, well, this is the best thing for me. Even if I don't really agree with the way we're going and, and I don't like how we're kind of manipulating our audience. I do, I do like this house that I'm living in. It feels good. I like the car that I drive. It's just as a, it's a good I'm providing for the family. So they contribute to something that they know is wrong. Are we part of something like that? We could be. Are we doing things to hurt one of God's children, whether that be gossip, slander, uh, are we hurting someone? Are we, are we compromising our values, our ethics, our morals, our Christian values for our own comfort and good? I don't know. It's a good question, though. You should ask yourself. Just, so this is just kind of something I had in my heart. And hopefully you got something out of it. Because if you did, please share it. And, uh, you know, marinate on this a little bit. And also marinate on the, the question of why do they people eat tomato juice on the airplane because I don't have an answer for that either. All right, you have a good one and I'll see you next week.